This is the DM Podcast with Dennis Seid and Max Whittle. It's NBA from start to finish and the chatting starts now. Welcome to the DM Podcast, everybody. The NBA season is over and we have a new NBA champion. The Toronto Raptors, the first non-American team to win the NBA championship. The Raps defeated the depleted Golden State Warriors in six games. But of course, if you are listening to this podcast, you already know all of that. But the thing is, me and my man Max haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. And given his love affair with the Raptors head coach, we had to do that, of course. Um, and there also has been a little trade last week. Uh, Max is still in London, some 400 kilometers away from Antwerp. What is up, Max Whittle? I've got no excuse. I could walk to your house, couldn't I? Yeah, only 400 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> All is well, mate. All is well. I think everyone is well if they've seen the Kawhi Leonard Serge Ibaka car video. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. But I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing the NBA season already. There is still a lot of basketball. Uh, WNBA season is going on. Our Belgian national women team are um, preparing for the Euros and trying to qualify for the uh, Olympics. But of course, there's no NBA season anymore. And if you saw Kevin De Bruyne's uh, Instagram post yesterday, he's already missing it as well. But what an ending it was. What a season. Um, we had so many storylines, so many wrinkles, so many bad news. Um, as well. But before we start talking about the trade, because everybody knows it's the Anthony Davis trade, Anthony Davis, who is going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's first talk about the most positive news we've had. Um, and that's the championship for the Toronto Raptors. They had the um, attention, the undivided attention of the basketball world for what is it, 43 hours? And then <laughs> the Lakers came in and ruined that all. But let's give them the proper attention. The Toronto Raptors are the NBA champion. And the team that wins the championship always deserves it. Doesn't matter what happens with the other team. The team that gets the trophy deserves it. I really wanted to tweet that, that the Raptors only had two days and then Mark Stein got in ahead of me and I thought, ah, oh, damn it, Mr. Stein is beating <laughs> me to it. Because uh, that, that was the first thing I thought of when uh, Davis signed with the Lakers was poor old Raptors because they've just achieved something that as you say, the, no Canadian team has ever done. Raptors never made an NBA Finals before this. The first NBA game was played in Toronto. And as we know, Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of basketball, is Canadian. Um, so it kind of it it works out beautifully. And a lot of talk about whether you attach an asterisk to this title. Absolutely not, in my opinion, because you can only beat what's in front of you and what we saw throughout the postseason if you go all the way back to the Orlando series which is hard to imagine two months ago now Kawhi Leonard was absolutely historic the entire postseason I think he finished third all time in terms of points in a, in a playoff run and he was just so good and you had guys like Van Vliet really recover from a poor performance in the first few rounds they just had a better team I think that's what I want to say is for all Golden State superstars and they did have injuries. And yes, I do think they would have beaten the Raptors with Durant and Clay Thompson fully healthy. The Raptors were set up to beat them because they had a better team. Mm -hmm. All and the way down to the bottom. And it's not that big of a surprise. We, uh, we talked about it before the playoffs started. Um, and I told you that I thought that this Raptors team was suited... That was best suited to make it hard for the Warriors. That was, of course, before we knew that uh, Durant had the injury. That was before the Clay Thompson injury, of course, because it happened in Game 6. But... If people talk about, uh, it's not fair, you have to put an asterisk behind it. You can put an asterisk behind a lot of championships. The first one that the Warriors won. Yeah. 
You had no Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Love. You had Kyrie Irving until overtime of game one. Um, you can go back in 1999. I know it's a long time ago, but Patrick Ewing wasn't playing in the NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs. In 88, it was Isaiah Thomas who had the ankle injury. In 89, I think the, the Magic had three... Uh, the Magic, what I would say, the Lakers had three injuries and it was almost... Magic Johnson on his own. So you can... The Bulls' first title, Magic Johnson was injured. When you win a title, you don't put an asterisk yeah, but next ma- to Magic, it. Magic played, of course, but you have, a lot of champ- you have a lot of championships where some important guys are not playing at all. That's what happened this year. And hey, that's part of sports. It's just a part of it. And we don't like it. I, I, just, I, I think everybody who loves sports hates injuries. And I never want to see injuries to two of the best players in the world, especially when it has ramifications for the next season. But that's just how it goes. It's like that in every sport. And it's sad to see, but the human body is not invincible. And we saw that. But the thing is, the Toronto Raptors won the, th- won the series and they won three games in Oracle. They won mm. three road games in the NBA Finals against a team that's known for being a great team at home and against the great home crowd as well you you felt that especially in game six because in games three and four i don't know who was there uh maybe we're only bandwagon supporters but it was a different vibe in games three and four if you compare that to game six but the last game it was oracle as oracle used to be and be honest the warriors almost won game six i don't believe they would have had a chance in game seven if there was one without clay thompson and kevin durant of course um but it was a great game to see. I was uh, I stayed up all night to uh, to watch the game because I just uh, I came home at three o'clock in the morning from the uh, the last game in the Belgian competition. <laughs> yeah, Late it was it. Late, it was a clincher for you, mate. It was a clincher in Ostende. Um, so I did that game and I stayed there for some drinks and then got home and yeah. The, Isn't the, that poetical that, that you was were perfect. Ostende, which Nick Nurse was coach of yes. your Ostende. Look at that symmetry. Yes. <laughs> it is. By the way, ESPN, did you see that? They made a, a track record of, of uh, Nick Nurse's career. They just left it off. They, they had every British team on there, but they left off Ostend. Dude, all you need to do is read my story. I, I put Ostend I know, there. I know. There. I put them in there. Don't you worry. I, um, I, I'm, 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 I, I, I hated the injuries. I was walking to work the next day and I gave you, left you a voice note. I, I said to you that that was a clay game. That was a classic game six clay game. When he when he pulled up above three defenders and drained a three, I think it might have been his last um, last points before the dunk that ended up being a, a, a torn ACL mm-hmm. before the free throws. That was the the bucket. I thought, wow. I, I don't even think they need Steph to be Steph tonight. Clay's gonna. At that point, they'd gone up four or five points when he went down, and Steph. The way Steph reacted was kind of how everyone reacted if you're a neutral. Um, went to the other side of the court, squatted down, and, and essentially was had a look on his face to say, really, again, I can't believe this. And then you had Raptors players consoling him. I mean, I think Kyle Lowry went over there to pick him up. And that was the, ex- that was the point, that, that was the key message for me. Danny Green went over to Clay Thompson when he walked out heroically to shoot those two free throws and just said, look, man, I didn't. I didn't mean no harm there. He he clearly just went up for the contest. Kyle Lowry picking Steph up. The Raptors. I don't think they were concerned that they'd have to win a championship with two superstars on the opposite team down because they. You, you take a championship in any way you can, mm-hmm. but they might have started to sense that this series become a little bit strange just because there were so many, so many injuries. Uh, at the same time, 
when I'm watching that game, if they'd have won that with Clay staying in the game, I really could not have been confident telling you that Raptors were going to go home and win. Yeah, that's the, how that's how good Clay was. Yeah, that's true. Clay was Clay was amazing. I think he would have scored forty five or fifty if he uh, hadn't got injured. He was just knocking down every shot. And it took until what is it, the last two minutes of the first quarter until Steph had his first field goal attempt, I think. Because they didn't need it until then. You had the crazy Kyle Lowry start, of course, which made it great for the Raptors to begin that way. Um, and then Clay just took over on his own, and Clay was having the. It was it was game six, Clay, like we're used to actually. Um, he's there when it matters most uh, on the important moments. In the important moments in the playoffs, it's always Clay Thompson who steps up. And the reaction of Stephen Curry, you can of course you can understand that it's frustrating for him and for the team, but of course. Him and, and Clay Thompson are, are, are good friends. They've played together since, what is it, 2011, I think, Clay was drafted? I oh, think I 2011 he, he was drafted. And the Calari and Danny Green, they, of course, you never want to see anybody injured. Not even in the finals on the other team. You never I just want wanted to, see to see a game. I wanted to see a game seven. I wanted to see, even if the Warriors had to go down completely, uh, really hurt, I wanted to see what Steph could do. If it was literally him against the Raptors, but I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to veer away from the Raptors here. Yes, I, I'm, thank I you. Want to, I want to steer, I want to steal one of my overtime questions for you right now. Actually, <laughs> um, who have a think about it? I know you can't pause for too long because it's a podcast. But who was more important for the Raptors over the course of six games, Siakam or Van Vliet? In your opinion, Van Vliet. Uh, Siakam was important, of course, um, especially well, he was great in game one. He was good in game six, but Van Vliet gave them something extra on the offensive end. Um, I don't know what his kid did with him, by the way, but <laughs> his stats since his son were born are, are just are just off the charts. <laughs> um, what is it? I've got it here. Um, nine games since his son was born, 14.7 points a game, 51% uh, percent from the field, 53 percent from three uh, before that four points per game 26 percent uh, from the field and 20 percent from three in the playoffs and but Van Vliet was important he had no fear in offense he had confidence in his shot he was aggressive and don't forget what he did in defense I don't think Stephen Curry has had that many problems against the point guard uh, in defense in the last five seasons Ka uh, Van Vliet just made it so hard on Stephen Curry and he made him work even harder than he already has to work sometimes to get open. Um, so I think Van Vliet was instrumental for that team, actually. And also, if Van Vliet hit a shot, because they were kind of expecting that from Siakam, because Siakam had an important role during the entire season. He's going to be the most improved player. He was important. He was instrumental for that team. And Van Vliet was important as well, but he didn't have the role that Siakam had. And every time Siakam hit a, hit a good shot, hit a big shot, you felt that it did something with the morale of the team. It did something for the Raptors that gave them an extra lift, an extra boost. That was my sentiment, at least. Yeah, and Siakam was the guy who made the floater, the final two points that really sealed the game. Bad, defense, been, bad defense by Draymond on that play. He's been the second guy throughout the year with Kyle Lowry right there. And, and for someone who has, from day one, um, remember, this was, a, this was a, a lucky thing, really, that Siakam wasn't in the DeRozan trade. They, they, it's funny to look back on now, but they really didn't want to give up Ananobi. And Siakam, they obviously really believed him because Yajiri was one of his masterstrokes in the draft. And that's why this team is so good, because they've drafted so well. At the same time, I don't think they would have been so concerned if it was Siakam who'd have gone away in that trade. 
and Ananobi had stayed, they would have thought, okay, we've kept the guy we wanted. From day one, Ananobi was replaced by Siakam in the starting lineup. That was the first thing that Nick Nurse spotted. And since then, the belief in Siakam and his play has been incredible. His improvement as a third-year player didn't start playing basketball till he was 16. Uh, that That's what... I don't think he was necessarily more important than Van Vliet in the finals because Van Vliet had to do things on both ends of the floor. Siakam has been your the guy that if you score if he scores 25 30 points and has the impact he does because he look at game 2 for example at Golden State 1 they put Siakam in the half court they 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 defended him in such a way that he wasn't able to get downhill those spinny moves he creates pushing the tempo as soon as he got back into that flow and he escaped the, the Warriors' defense in that regard, the Raptors looked unstoppable. Uh, but Van Vliet was fantastic. I mean, I think it was the, the last three or four games of this series. Nurse started Van Vliet over Danny Green in the second half. And you don't typically do that with a, a bench player. And even more so, speaking to this Toronto team, Danny Green came on and, and still shot the ball well. So the whole team was in tandem there. If I had to choose, I'd say Van Vliet. Um, Steph's numbers were still really, really great in this series and people overlooked that. But Van Vliet still did a great job on him. And every three down the stretch in game six, there was a couple of rainbows in there too. Everything oh. looked like it was going down. Yeah. I'm really pleased for that guy because he's a tough, hard-as-nails player. And I, look, at, look, at, look at the question I asked you. Those are the two futures. If Kawhi leaves, if Lowry's gone, if he's fading out, Siakam and Van Vliet are big cornerstones for this team. They are. They are. Um, I don't know if one of them will be a real superstar, although I really believe in, uh, in Siakam. And you, you mentioned it, the floater. No, we won't remember that in 20 to 25 years, I think. But that was an important basket, a really important basket. And he did it with so much poise. It was a bad gamble from Jamon Green to go for the steal. I don't understand why he did that because he's such an intelligent defender. I really didn't understand why. You knew when you saw that, you immediately knew he's not going to get the ball. He's going to get passed, uh, passed by. And, but Siakam did a great job, and he played a, a great game six. Those two guys had an incredible, incredible um, playoff series um, for Van Vliet, of course. By the way, Dennis, I think Siakam was 0 for 12 in the last three, yeah, from three. three games from three before game six, and he hit two or three in a row, and, and, and along with Lowry, really set the tone for that game. Yeah, I think he hit four or five in the first half, uh, mm. Siakam from three. I don't have the, the stats here, so I'm just... Uh, trying to remember what I, what I saw that game. But what Toronto did, um, we're, we're going to talk about the injuries, of course. We're going to talk about that for a long time because the injuries, especially to Kevin Durant, they're going to have consequences, ramifications for not only next year, but maybe the year after that. The whole NBA landscape has changed because of that. The whole, all the expectations that anybody could have for next season are different because of what happens to KD and to Clay. That's just how it is. And ACL said he's going to be out until February or March. And Kevin Durant isn't going to play at all. And maybe we have seen the last of Kevin Durant, of the real Kevin Durant. That makes me sad, by the way, uh, because he was finally the consensus best player in the world. And you don't want to see a guy like that go out with a, with a fucking Achilles tear. I, I hate that injury. I've never seen anybody come back and be the player he was after such an injury. Never in basketball. Yeah, it's... It's and really, a sh it's really a shame because you, you had there was like that, there was that energy, right? When he came back in Game Five. You just felt it. You felt like we could have one of those historic series where we get a game seven after a team's 3-1 down. And he mm -hmm. made such a... There was just an energy in the building. But if you're watching was, that was, game... He was really good as well. He was great. He, he didn't... He act, 
I just was I wasn't comfortable with with Steve Kerr playing him, what twelve or thirteen f- minutes um, in quick succession. He pulled him in the first quarter, brought him back two minutes later. He had him at times bringing the ball up the floor. Those were the two things I thought. Well, if you're going to play Durant and you know he's been cleared, but there's still you have to you know bring him back slowly. Just have him act as a spot-up shooter because you already saw immediately in that game when Curry or Clay drove or or Draymond drove, that the space on the floor was so vast compared to what they were used to in the first few games. And Durant, all he had to do really was stand on the perimeter to create to, to for the Warriors to be a better team, a more effective team. Um, but they had him doing multiple things. And yeah, when, when did he get in, when did he get injured? The first time he was trying to make a move. The first yeah. time he was really trying to get to the basket or to make a, make a dribble move. That's when he tore his Achilles. And um, yeah, there must have been something wrong uh, with the calf. Um, with the Achilles before that, I don't really think it was a calf injury, especially when you saw um, him icing it. And you're right. I don't understand why Steve Kerr let him play 12 and a half minutes um, in the first 14. That's just way too much if somebody's coming back after a month in the NBA Finals. But um, one more thing I want to say about KD, but I because I don't want to go on too long about this. Um, because we, I think we're going to be talking about this for a lot if we have podcasts this summer because it's going to have so much consequences um, if he signs a deal because he still is a free agent, of course. Uh, we never know. We don't know where he's going. Will it be New York? Will it be the Clippers? Will it be Brooklyn? Will he stay in Golden State? Uh, those are all options. But people that are saying right now, like Jay Williams, um, ESPN analyst, it's a fault of the, the Warriors franchise um, of the organization and you don't do that and they pushed him too hard. That's that's bullshit. I mean that, and I get angry for that. And yeah, he might have been. He might not have been one hundred percent. He might not even have been sixty percent. But if you're a baller, if you're a hooper, if you're a guy who wants to win, you're going out there. And I think everybody would have stepped onto the floor if you were KD. If you looked at how he moved before the game, if you looked at how he moved in the in the first in the twelve minutes he played. If I were him, who am I, of course, but no no way that you will keep me out of a game where we could lose a championship. No way. But his, every, everybody his, says, what if they were up 3-1? to one? Yeah, but that's a different situation. And different situations, you can't compare that. That's just The totally situation different. predicates the decision. I, I would just say that I don't think Durant made this decision. I, I don't believe that the Warriors would have played Durant if they were up 3-1, put it that way. And I mm-hmm. do believe that injuries are in some way or a big way dictated by circumstance and situation. At the same time, Golden State's medical team are one of the more conservative in the league is what you hear. They take their time. They're not going to listen to outside sources. They're not going to listen to the player's opinion. They'll tell you when you're good to go back. So in my opinion, this is what happened. The medical staff cleared Kevin Durant. They said, you you can play if you want. Durant said, yep, I'll play, of course. And they probably said to him in some way, that, as Steve Kerr said, the, the worst possible scenario is that you re-aggravate the calf and you're out for longer than you've just been, right? So they, if there was any chance that he was going to injure his Achilles, they would never have played him because it's the worst injury in basketball. So while they probably weren't as cautious as they should have been at 3-1 down, they cleared him to play. They did not see a risk with the Achilles and Durant didn't have to play. He wasn't forced to play. I don't think he was swayed by any of the outside noise. He just was ready to come back. He took his time. He came back in game five. If he was if he was so concerned with outside comment about him not coming back, and that's what really frustrated me after all of this, the, the articles you read about some of his teammates 
um, you know, getting frustrated with them not returning. If you just look at all that jargon, Durant, so sensitive. Why did he not come back earlier? Because he it's, wasn't ready to play. But it's not that surprising. Of course you get frustrated by it, but you're frustrated with the situation, not by Kevin Durant. You're not frustrated with what Kevin Durant is doing. You know he's hurt, but you're just frustrated that he's not going onto the court. Uh, mm. Sometimes people just exaggerate things too much. And this is a terrible injury, of course, but I think there's no way that with 3-1 down that they could have kept KD out of it. Maybe they could, if, like I said, if they said there was a, a too high of a risk to re-injure his Achilles, but they had a different opinion. And I don't believe there was just one doctor that said it. Um, it's He's too precious for that, Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is not going to listen to the Warriors um, medical staff only. But hey, it's what happens. And uh, it's sad for the NBA. It's sad for basketball that we won't have Kevin Durant for a year, that we won't have Clay Thompson for almost an entire season. Um, you never really upsetting. Yeah, right? I mean, and, and just upsetting as a basketball fan in general yeah. because you want to have the best players on the floor. Um, that's just how it is. It was sad to see Paul George out for an entire year. It was sad to see Gordon Hayward out for an entire season. You don't want that. But that doesn't take anything away from what the Toronto Raptors did. Let's make like, sure of that. Sure, but it's like, oh, by the way, all the people that have slated Duran. Yeah, now, now they love him. created a narrative about every single player. We don't know these people at all. Mm -hmm. And I know we've, we've made comments about what we think of him having gone on Bill Simmons' podcast. And that's fair enough because I think in a lot of ways his character comes out on those shows. At the same time, we can still appreciate his game. And I think that kind of clouded it at times. And now you're not going to have one of the best players for a year. I think I'm even more devastated about Clay because people say February... But he's going to have to practice properly. He might. A lot of people are saying they should just shut those guys down. They, you might not even see them next season. Nah, so but an ACL is normally it's a long six time. months. Yeah, but it's a six months rehab. So March, that's that's in nine months. So I think in at the end of February, in March, he will be ready to play real basketball. Actually, um, the more the more interesting crossover here though is is Kawhi because now I think people certainly understand where he was coming from more given what's happened to Durant and the risk he took and, and the consequences that we still really haven't heard any of the fallout from what actually happened and how the decision was 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 made to play him in game five the whole Leonard thing now and his comments afterwards saying look everyone said I didn't want to play for the Spurs I didn't want to pay for Popovich no I love the game I just didn't feel comfortable in that situation and mm -hmm. and now it kind of he looks way better off obviously being a finals MVP doesn't help but this situation kind of gives you a fresh look on that whole thing. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and it ju it's just sad. As simple as that, it's just sad that we won't have those guys. Um, it's interesting, of course, because we have an open field for next season. The Warriors aren't going to be the favorites at all. Um, so that makes it interesting. But I would have rather had that Kevin Durant went to another team and Clay Thompson went to another team and that we would have an open field than not seeing them play at all. I, I just hate... And especially... KD was in his prime. He's 30 years old. K Clay is nearing 30. Not, not at those ages. I, I just hate to see that. Um, all right. Uh, a couple of more things about um, the finals. Um, one, the Raptors won the championship without any lottery pick. Think about that. They had no lottery picks on their squad. Not one. That's just absolutely crazy. Um, and two, the real MVPs of uh, these finals... <laughs> of the NBA Finals in general are the Gasol, the Gasol parents. Yeah, I mean, 
talk talk about talk about Masai Jiri um, being smart, and I think it was they didn't have a single player drafted uh, lower than seventeen or higher than seventeen. Higher, higher, yeah. Um, it's called Kawhi. Kawhi was uh, picked with the fifteenth pick. Fifteenth, yeah, fifteen. Yeah, and you 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 went you made a bold move with the trade. You upset your leader in Kyle Lowry. Uh, you you kind of you went you fired the coach of the year in Dwayne Casey. Masai would have been killed if the Raptors. Let's say that ball doesn't go in against the Sixers and they beat them in over. They lose to the Sixers in overtime. Masai Jiri unfairly would have been criticised for taking too big a gamble. This is how this is how the, the margins of basketball are because it's like the Durant injury. You know, we all were talking about oh why isn't he coming back yet? Steph and Clay would have. Well. Have a look at the consequences. Same with the Raptors. This could have gone either way with Kawhi Leonard. He played 60 games in the regular season, load management, and then he played the most minutes of anyone in the postseason. There was a reason for that, but it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. In the end, I think those bold moves, the drafting, Van Vliet, Siakam come to mind, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, they, they brought those two back, Lowry and Ibaka, when they could have blown this whole thing up last summer. They could have blown the entire thing up, but they made a case for staying relevant at 50 wins, getting to a second round conference finals and then instead of tanking and blowing the whole thing up because you've said, look, we've reached our peak, they traded their, their best player or their superstar for a better player and, and you probably can't replicate that because so many things had to go right for them but in the end, Yajiri's boldness paid off and yes, well done, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Gasol because that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and Kyle Lowry, I agree with Jalen Rose, Kyle Lowry has to apologize to Masai Ujiri. I mean that. Yeah. I really yeah. mean that because he was being too sensitive being an NBA player. Yeah, it's his best friend. But if, if, I'm, if I'm playing basketball with my best friend and he gets traded and I see that a better playing is coming our way with another better asset to win a championship, I'm not going to be mad. You know, you know what the deal is. Yes, he promised uh, DeRozan that he wouldn't trade him. That was the only thing, the only mistake that Masai Ujiri did, that he promised DeMar DeRozan that he would not trade him. Bef- that's that's it and now Masai Ujiri deserves a statue outside of it's going to be Air Canada Centre forever what is it Nova Scotia I don't know what it's called Scotia right now. Bank Air, Air Canada Centre was so much better so much better but I think Lowry really has to apologise to, uh, to Ujiri if that all hasn't happened already because if you saw them together after winning the championship they looked uh, okay actually uh, okay to wrap the finals up I'm going to give you 60 seconds to talk about um your crush, to talk about your man crush, Nicholas. <laughs> hey, Nick. <laughs> what up, Nick? Um, well, funny you should say that. Um, I've been informed that he's he's going to read the article I wrote about him. I hope he bloody does. Um, I just think it's really cool. Like You, you see that, that video of him when they landed in Toronto and he yeah. high-fived all the fans... That's the person Nick Nurse is. I mean, this guy, he's friendly. He's great with his time. He's friendly. He's just a down-to-earth guy. And I've been really, um, I've been reading Eric Kareen a lot this year, The Athletic, and, you know, the stories about how he coaches are great. And, you know, Nick, Nick, I think, shouted at his players two or three times this season. One of them was after the first game loss against the Magic. He picks his spots. You know, he runs a very light-hearted, relaxed, but hard-working environment. He pushes his players. He rewards his players. I think he managed the Kawhi Leonard thing really well. I think he managed 
he managed the the longitude of a of an NBA season. You know, it's such a it's such a grind, and he never really got too high or too low. Just like his superstar Kawhi, he never looked shook on the sidelines. Um, I think that's something he did really well too. And you know, the Kawhi Kyle Lowry stuff that could have gone that could have gone a whole completely different way. If if Kawhi Leonard on back-to-backs doesn't play and Lowry says something and it, everyone gets a bit unhappy about it and is this actually going to make us a better team? Instead, you had none of that. You had Siakam's development. You had complementary pieces um, who felt important to the team. And going back on Nick's journey from England to Belgium to the G League, um, everywhere else he's been, that's been the makeup of his teams. Just togetherness, competitiveness. So, yeah. Go read my bloody article on Sky Sports about Nick Nurse. That's what t- t- take your time. Uh, I just say that to everybody. Take your time. <laughs> take it's time. a long article. It's good, but it's long. So take I'll your time. Take, take your time. Um, 6,000 6, words. Take th- your time. There, were, there was also an article about him in a Belgian newspaper and some people who played under him uh, at Ostende. Uh, they said that, um, yeah, the NBA is a perfect circus for Nick. And I thought that was a little bit insulting for him. Because that, then you underestimate how good of a coach he really is. And you could see that in what he did in this finals. What he did in this series. Not only in this series, but just to take the finals out of it. How we adapted. Um, we were laughing in our last podcast when we talked about the, the boxing one. I told you, what's going to be next? A triangle and two? And what happened? happened? It yeah. happened. It happened, but it happened with a purpose. Oh, it was, it was not a gimmick at all. It was absolutely what he... He, 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 he showed the rest of the league how you can guard Steph Curry. Absolutely did. And i tell you another thing. He, people, people never heard of him before this season, right? A lot of people would have said that. But you could just see the way he coached. And I, there's been so many articles about the, the toughest time the Raptors had in this postseason was when they went 2-1 down to Philly. And they had to win. They were on the road. 2-1 down in the second round. If we go out in the second round, this has been a calamity. I think it was a risk-free move to get Kawhi. But at the same time, if they don't win with Kawhi, they ain't got a whole lot next season. And nope. Nick Nurse didn't didn't change tact. Same thing happened when they went 2-0 down to the Bucks. Everyone, including myself, was saying Milwaukee could win the title after that. Then they pulled out an overtime victory in Game 3, blew them out in Game 4, and carried on until they won 4-2 in that series. They are a reflection of their coach. He always had a plan B and a plan C yeah. and a plan D. And that's He's what made him so strong. Um, really impressed by the way he coached uh, these pl- the entire playoffs, actually. Uh, really did a great job. By the way, right now, as we are speaking, the parade is going on. And Kawhi Leonard is uh, smoking a cigar and he is wearing a T-shirt that says, Boardman gets paid. Kawhi, oh. I love you. <laughs> Kawhi is on a roll at the moment. I love him so much. He's so good. Oh, he's going to be even better next year. All right. Um, NBA Finals are done. 2018-2019 season is over. The draft is, is on Thursday. The NBA Ridiculous Award Show is on Monday, hosted by Shaquille. I want all the attention in the world, O'Neal. Um, <laughs> but the thing that everybody is talking about, um, it's not the... Toronto Raptors, not the injury of Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant. It's the Anthony Davis trade because the fucking Lakers, they did it again. Um, they have pulled it off. They've got the biggest name, one of the biggest names in the game. Again, just like they did back in the day with Will Chamberlain, with 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with Shaquille O'Neal. Um, with Back in the day, Dwight Howard, because when he came to LA, he was still um, the three-time uh, defensive player of the year. But no, right now, I think this is the biggest trade the NBA has seen since Kareem in 75. Such a superstar in his prime, 26 years old, um, going to the Lakers. Uh, and so many wrinkles in this story. It's, um, yeah, poor Toronto. Poor Toronto. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like Manchester United. It's like the Yankees. If they're if the Lakers are good, the NBA benefits, in my opinion. And and this is one of the most devastating duos we're going to see. But also, <laughs> this is one of the biggest hauls we've ever seen for a team that are trading away a superstar. And I don't know what the future of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are going to be. I don't know what Josh Hart's going to be. I, I don't think many people... Some people think they're going to be better than they are now, a lot better. Others think worse. Others think about the same. Uh, we don't know yet if they're going to trade that number four pick or not with other teams wanting to move up. Atlanta is certainly a team to look out for with their two draft picks in the top 10. Um, some people think Kyle Kuzma's overrated and the fact that the Lakers kept hold of him isn't a big deal. Others think he's going to be great. So... This all comes back to now the Lakers have the two best players on 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 the court. You know, if you're going up against the Lakers next season, this is still LeBron freaking James, and we forgot how good he was because they were so bad last year. But look at his stat line. Put that with Davis, um, and now you need to think. Okay, do we need a third superstar, or do we need to complement this team like we didn't do last year with a couple of veterans, a couple of shooters? That's what I'm looking for now because the Lakers are obviously contenders already. The, the Warriors are Steph Curry, Draymond Green and a couple of bench players next season until March at least. Um, so they they are... The, the Rockets are in trouble. They're in a mess. So you're looking at the Pelicans maybe being an instant playoff team with Zion and co. And the Lakers being fun again, which I think is great. It is. Uh, in the short term, it's great for the Lakers. Um, I really think it is. They got to um, win though. They got two years to win. They got two years to win. That's right. They got a. They got two years to win because LeBron James. Um, we've seen for the first time that he's not invincible. He's had his, his first real injury this season that kept him off the court. Um, and of course, it's a cliche, but father time is undefeated. Everybody gets older. Everybody gets old. So LeBron will have the same thing as well. Um, but. Um, I call them the first favorites yesterday when the news broke, and that's also because we don't know anything about the other teams so far. <laughs> so they are the first favorites, even though they only have three players right now. They only have um, Kuzma, uh, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. But hey, not bad to have AD and LeBron James as those two players. Now everybody, especially the LeBron James and Lakers fans, are saying, and now they have to get Kemba, or they have to get Kyrie. Um, hold your horses, it's not that easy, because... There's still a salary cap. It's a salary cap-driven league, the NBA. There are some rules, and they just can't get anybody. I don't think they even have the chance to get a, a higher, a high-paid player, but let's talk about it a little bit later. But it's, I won't just say this. It's good that the Lakers are good. I agree. It's good that the Knicks have a great team. That's something that makes the NBA interesting. It's like the Celtics. If the Celtics are good, all not good enough, but they are in contention, it just give, gives it something extra. Um, and so everybody, but I want to say this because I've had a lot of uh, messages from Lakers and especially LeBron James fans. Yeah, the Lakers deserve it because, because they have been so bad for a long time. They, they won the championship nine years ago. Nine. <laughs> nine. The New York Knicks won their last championship 12 years before I was born in 1973. D don't, don't come at me with that. They have been bad for so, such a long time. It's like Manu, Manu fans right now. Oh, yeah, Manu has been bad for such a long time. Come on, man. 
the last time you won the championship was what is it six years ago don't go cry in a corner but don't be ridiculous so <laughs> let's get that out of the way um how do you think this is going to work dynamic wise I don't, but that, you, we can't tell yet, Max, because we don't know who is going to join. I think Rondo will be will be staying, for example. But just those two, do you think it's a good fit? Oh, it's a perfect fit. Imagine that, a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll. Or pick and, pick and pop. Because, because, because Davis can shoot now. Because, and because important. Davis can handle as well. You can even have Anthony Davis... Um, being the ball handler and LeBron James being the being the screener. That's yeah. also a possibility because Anthony Davis, as we all know, the story, he was a point guard before he got his growth spurt. He is a great ball handler. And, and I think said, the Lakers need... I, I, I know what you're saying with health, but I, I think LeBron's going to have a healthy year. His stats were great again. I think you, what you never know need, that. You know, you, no, stats no, no, were, his stats were great, me, but his engagement cool, Dennis, wasn't there. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, in my opinion... I don't think he's going to have a stretch where he's out 20 games with an injury. So what I'm saying is, I don't think you need a third superstar. Oh, I agree. I, I, I agree. Kyrie's, Kyrie's probably going to Brooklyn anyway. I don't think you want to deal with that. Um, and I thought there were some important points being made this week that even though Kyrie and LeBron have made up, it doesn't mean they're going to get on if they're on the same team. Um, I think the Lakers need shooters. They need someone like Brooke Lopez. They need someone like Bradley Beal. They need someone like Trevor Ariza. They need someone who can play in a role where LeBron is number one, Davis is number two, and then you might get the scratches after that. They can shoot the ball because the Lakers have to spread the play out. Um, you make LeBron and Davis more effective weapons if you do have shooters. Don't restrict the court spacing. And we'll see. But Palinka needed a win. He got one. And now he needs to get a couple more. This roster is literally... Um, five players right now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and what everybody's the saying, yeah, they'll have 33 million in cap room. They won't. They won't. Um, Anthony Davis won't waive his 4 million <laughs> trade kicker uh, to free up cap space. Um, and what I've read... 23.7. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. 20, 23, 24 million to fill it all up. Um, you're not going to get a Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is not going to... Just say, oh great, all right, I'll I'll um I'll ask nine million dollars less just for the team, or just he to should, be able to play. No, he shouldn't. I don't think that will work. He would be frustrated again by playing with LeBron. The old frustrations that he had in <laughs> Cleveland. No, the what reasons he won. He had the reasons team. why. You know, I know, but the reasons why he left. Yeah, those know, things haven't changed. So the frustrations will be the same with Kyrie. As for New Orleans, they've got a boatload of young players and yes. a boatload of draft picks, including going into the year where high school players will be eligible to come back in the league, we think. Um, so David Griffin, considering that Boston were never going to give up Tatum, that Rich Paul said Davis won't re-sign in Boston, the Knicks don't have any leverage now with Durant out. They didn't get Davis. They've got the number three pick. They've got some, a crappy team. David Griffin just traded away a guy whose, whose contract runs down at the end of the season. Um and basically, they only had one suitor, and they absolutely fleeced the Lakers. So this is a great deal for New Orleans as well. Don't forget that. I think it's an even better deal for New Orleans than it is for, uh, for the Lakers. But David Griffin, now that I think about it, it's actually funny. He gave LeBron his championship team in 2016, and he may have done it again. <laughs> let's, just, let's just not get too high on Lonzo and Brandon Ingram just because they've gone No, to... no, no. It's not because of that. I'm no, also talking no, about the draft picks. Not yeah, just generally, I'm saying. But people on paper, this looks great. Mm -hmm. But how many times did we say that Ball and Ingram and Hart are fine, but they're not great? I, I only believe in Ball from those three guys. I, I'm still a Lonzo Ball believer. I think he can be uh, 
a transitional point guard. He can be a really, really, really good point guard, um, an all-star. I don't believe in Brandon Ingram, and I'm still a little bit scared about it, his health, uh, what's happening with the blood clots. Um, that's why if I was New Orleans, if I would, was the Pelicans, I would have wanted Kuzma as well, um, especially with his health. Of course, they've, they've got all the draft picks right now, uh, so that's good because maybe it's important that we mention the exact draft for people that don't know what was all included let me get it here i've got it listed um so the lakers will get anthony davis <laughs> that's easy the pelicans get the number four pick in this year's draft um they get a top eight protected in 2021 um which becomes an unprotected in 2022 which is a double draft interesting because from that year on uh, the nba can draft high school players again so you have two classes uh, they have an unprotected pick swap in 23, an unprotected first in 24, and an unprotected swap in 25 as well. And then, of course, they've got uh, Hart, Ingram, and Ball. Wow. That's a great haul for, for Griffin and the Pelicans. It's a great haul if they draft well and if these players develop as they may. So I've got, we'll I've see. I've got a fun, th I've got a fun th theory about that, by the way. How this draft in five years' time could even be, be even more entertaining. Imagine the Lakers being good the first couple of years, but then falling back. You have some Anthony Davis injuries because we all know that he has been a little bit injury prone. You never know what happens, but especially with the new draft odds that the Pelicans get a high draft pick and they draft LeBron James Jr. Oh, <laughs> imagine oh. that. Imagine that. Imagine that, or imagine the Lakers, um, Davis and LeBron both get injured this season and they draft LeBron's son. No, but LeBron James Jr. will be in 2022 in the double draft. So that's when normally the Pelicans would get the Lakers pick as well. That could be fun, right? That could be so cool. Um, so, um, but I think it's, it's a great, it's great deal for the Pelicans because I think there has never been a, a superstar trade where the team that traded the star got so much in return so many options the four picks that's a lot i think I it's worth it it's anthony davis he's 26 in his prime oh he's yeah. really good he's a top five player so i totally understand that i i support it as well but it could be it could be i'm not saying it will be but it could be disastrous for the lakers as well it could be of course they're the clear clear-cut favorites right now but they have lebron 17th season and coming off his first real injury ad you can be a little bit injury prone um, if one of Clear those two favorites really? right right now because we don't know anything about the rest or everyone <laughs> in the league right now they are because we don't know what Kawhi is going to do we don't know uh, we don't know anything um, but they uh, Toronto in their current state I think are better obviously I think they're the favorites you, you just you just don't know but what I want to say is that the timing of the trade is going to be going to be really important um, because the Lakers are taking our money of course um, you just have to wonder when. And Zach Lowe read, uh, wrote this. So I'm just going to read this. Um, if the deal closes on July the 6th, as the Pelicans seem to prefer, the Lakers will be stuck well short of max level space. If the Lakers can postpone closing until July 30th, at which point whoever they pick at number four on New Orleans' behalf will be trade eligible, the Lakers can maintain their current level of space, just about the max for a player carrying from seven to nine years of experience to use in the meantime. So that's important when the trade will happen, will be official. Um, so there are a lot of interesting wrinkles, I think, to, uh, to this story. Um, it's a great trade for both teams, I think. Um, there's no clear-cut loser right now. I was more 
enthusiastic at first for the Lakers. Now, uh, the more I think about it, I think the, the Pelicans have done a great job um, for their future. And I think the combination of Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson will be really, really, really fun. I'm enthusiastic for the Lakers. I just, I never understand the, I never quite get to grips with the potential of a franchise in New Orleans. I just don't know if those, if those players or those draft picks become really good picks, how, 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 how long is your championship window? Um, I think the Lakers had to do this and they, they got it done. They got a lot of work to do, but it's a fun start to the off season. It is, it is. And um, I'm curious what's going to, uh, what's going to happen next. All right, let's uh, wrap it up here. Um, I've got only one question for you to end, to, uh, end this NBA season. Um, what do you think about Ostende winning for the eighth straight season? I think it's fantastic for the country, <laughs> for, for basketball at, in the, around the globe. Uh, I think pe more people should know about Ostende. They are the most successful basketball club in Belgium. And Nick Nurse used to coach them, so suck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a great way to end that's a great I, way to end i i use one of mine already but the other one actually it's it's no fucking shock here excuse my french uh another nick nurse related question should nick nurse coach team canada in your opinion why not why I not actually go on holiday the matt I don't think he wants a holiday. I the think man loves it. The he man loves, loves basketball. Yeah, that, that's yeah. why. I think, why not? He just loves to coach basketball. He just loves to be, uh, to be with the basketball team. And the NBA offseason, you have three months, you can coach a Canadian team for a month. Like, yeah, just do it. And just do be, it. Become a Canadian citizen as well. Yeah, that's, that's the next level for him. Take it all in. Take it all in. He's a, he's a proud Iowan. Do you call people from Iowa Iowans? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm going there in September, so I'll, uh, I'll ask. You love it there, don't you? Oh, I love it so much over there. You, you actually should, you should get in touch with the Raptors because you could potentially go meet Nick because he goes home over In September, he'll probably be there. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. And I'll, I'll make a video and I'll try to, to explain your love for him and see how he reacts <laughs> to that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, I had fun today. Um, and let's talk when something else happens in the NBA, which is Thursday because it's draft. Yeah, good who luck. will be number one? Ooh. You'll know before I will because you're staying awake. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm staying up. I'm staying up. All right, Max, take care, mate. mate. Take care. Good season. Bye, mate.